Steam locomotives were some of the most powerful machines ever built. They pulled trains that fueled our imagination. They represented vision, collaboration, ingenuity, customer service, and extraordinary human achievement. But in order to get to their destination, it took someone guiding them through a series of switches in order to get to the main line. Just like leaders today, it takes someone directing them down the right path in order to get to their destination. Welcome to Mainline Executive Coaching ACT, which stands for and Cultural Transformation, hosted by Master Certified Intelligent Leadership Executive Coaches, Michael Bailey and Rich Barron. With over 50 years of successful cultural transformation and quantum leadership development between them. Once again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's show. Leaders, are you ready to lead? This is Mainline Executive Coaching, ACT, Act, Action, and, and Cultural Transformation. I'm here today, Rich Barron, my partner. I'm Michael Bailey. We're going to be talking about silos today, silo kings, silo queens, and what that's all about. Rich is going to kind of lead the discussion. He's got four areas, four kinds of silos that people can build in an organization. We're going to talk about those those four. We're going to talk about a couple of reasons about why they happen and a couple of remedies. Uh, and in fact, we're going to. There's a lot more behind all of this. You'll be able to receive those, and we'll tell you at the end of the uh, the the uh, podcast here how you can get the rest of the story as it were about silos reasons and remedies so let's start here rich we got four of them tell us what the four are and then let's go back and talk about each one so you start out real quick i'm going to really briefly explain what a silo is and uh, what are they are and and silos in business is when a company has groups of of people departments that are a group of even experts to separated by department, their specialization, their location, um, you know, within the company. And so that's the typically speaking, you're going to find these silos that are separated by department and, you know, location, whatever. So we're going to talk, I want to talk about four specific silos mm-hmm. that I have seen in, in my career. And that we, we talk about these quite a bit. The first one, Michael, is called the executive silo. That's what I call it, the executive silo, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It's when you've got a, a group of executives, C-suite, executive vice presidents, whatever, that that work within maybe an invisible barrier within the organization. You can't cross this barrier. This is our world. We are going to keep the, organi- the, the information ourselves, and we'll disseminate that down to you as we see fit, as we see you're able. But you see a lot of, of in this executive silo, you see a lot of protecting each other. You see a lot of the good old boy club, the good old girl club. And uh, it's it's a very dangerous silo in an organization because from there it creates others. And we're going to talk about those others. So, I mean, so there's, at some level, there's a they're kind of keeping secrets. Yeah, keeping secrets. And they don't want uh, people to get out. We talk about the imposter syndrome a lot. We talk about protecting each other a lot. We talk about, uh, you know, self-preservation in a lot of ways. And you're going to hear the self-preservation a lot throughout this conversation. But in a way, these executive silos are based on a lot of self-preservation. 
This okay. is our this is our world. Next okay, so one, the executive team. Yeah, let's go on. Executive yeah. team. Next one is called a departmental silo, and they come in two two flavors. I'm gonna I'm gonna point those both out. Now, first one is when there is very very little direction from above. And these departments have developed their own processes, their own way of working, their own, um, you know, reporting structure. And a lot of this is is come out of, uh, again, the self-preservation that we we talk about. You know, there's not a lot of direction. So we heard once a while ago there were some mission goals, company goals. There might have been a vision at one point that was uh, communicated down, but it never was really directed on uh, what you needed to do. So these these departments start to kind of develop on their own. And the sad thing is, Michael, and this this was with a, an organization I worked with recently, they were all working towards the same goal. The problem is they'd all develop different processes and ways of reporting, working on the same goal, and no one was communicating. And so it, it was it essentially was a train wreck. The other one is comes directly from the executive. I call we this is what we're going to term silo kings and silo queens. It's when those people in the executive silos have their own worlds, their own kingdoms if you will, their own own departments and this is, you know, whether it be purchasing, whether it be sales, whether it be marketing, whether it be IT, whether it be quality, whatever that may be. But this is my department. This is my world. I'm going to run it the way I see fit, even though there might be a company vision, company, whatever, but I'm going to run my department the way I want to run my department. And this happens a lot. You see, there's no really uh, internal collaboration, external collaboration. And you see a lot of promoting from within the silo without looking outside of this silo because we can't bring anybody else in. Of course not, because this is our kingdom. And that's a very dangerous silo to work within. The other one, then, so let's move on to this, the third one, which is what I call location silos. And this happens a lot, Michael, when organizations have multiple facilities and may or may not be doing the same products, same processes, but uh, you know, in the end, they probably have very similar customer bases. And if they're all doing the same uh, products and processes in different parts of the country or world, it would be, and not really comparing apples to apples or comparing or best practices or opening up that communication. And so each each location develops their own processes, their own way of doing things, their own way of functioning, even though, and I'm going to give you an example, even when I come from an FDA regulated background. All the facilities, even though they had essentially the same products, they were uh, it was it was a different world in each place. You couldn't compare apples to apples because it was like apples and oranges. You know, even though it was the same products, different processes had been put together, and over time there was a, there started to be a lot of collaboration where there was you know we we talked more about those things. Now let's go to the last one. And this is what I call the intellectual silo. This comes from departments that feel we have more knowledge, we have more importance, uh, engineering, uh, quality, whatever it, it may be. Now, I'm not saying all you, uh, the engineering and quality, whatever, the only two that do this. But 
there there becomes a sense of I am better than you. Our knowledge is we have this knowledge, so therefore we have these degrees and we have this these processes and things that we've developed. And so we can't let others in. We can't let our information out because this is, you know, this is who we are. This is, this is, uh, see, I know you've talked about this before. You work with, with different organizations that do this, Michael, that it's, it's a process and, and, and a sense of this belongs to me and I'm not going to let anybody out because, you know, we're the propeller heads in, in, you know, for lack of better, uh, definition. Now there's one, an internal one within those. And I'm going to call this the self-preservation silo. Now you've heard this before. Mm-hmm. This is a very dangerous silo within a silo. And what it ha- it is, is when there are certain processes developed by certain people within a department, whether it be sales, whether it be a customer base, whether it be a process, whether it be um, manufacturing, whatever that may be. And because it has become so entrenched in the organization and we with it, it's been implemented. Some of that information there has been kept secret. It's been kept up in our heads. It hasn't been written down. It hasn't been shared. That way you can't get rid of me because I have the information. I have the keys of the kingdom. And so it's, it's a very, very, um, it's, it's, it's a misguided attempt at self-preservation, but in the end, you're holding the company hostage, and 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 it's not a good way to go. So those are the silos, Michael. The silos that really you you find in different organizations. Now they can be expanded, and, and you know this is just a brief example. Okay, just before we move on to the reasons we have silos, and then some of the remedies about that, just go back and delineate those. First one, second one, third and fourth okay. kind of review. Okay. And just, just give us kind of, okay, this is what it, okay. Executive silos. And, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It's it's uh, uh, it's the executive part of the organization where uh, it seems there's an invisible barrier. You can't cross that. You can't come down the executive hall. You can't come into the executive offices because, you know, you are you and we are we. Type First thing. one. First okay, one. Number two. Second one is departmental silos. And those come from lack of direction or the silo kings and the silo queens from the executive silo self-directing their own departments. Third one would be location silos. Got it. That's more about that. And the last one is what we call the intellectual silos. And and within that intellectual silos is that one we call the self-preservation silo. Okay, excellent. Okay, good. So we got these four silos that kind of couple them got a couple of subdivisions within them. Yeah. You come up with nine reasons yeah. why these happen, why they take place. Right. Let's hit a couple of them and then we'll tell again the folks how they can get the rest of the story here. So out of those nine, what are your top two? Out of the out of the nine, there there's two of them. And the first one is is internal communication barriers. There is no uh communication that's being effectively put out through the organization about the mission, the vision, the purpose, whatever that may be, the goals, uh, you know, and because communication has to go up, down, horizontal. So the internal would be one. That would be a very big one. Second one is lack of management promoting 
uh, collaboration throughout the company. Cross-functional teams, cross-collaborative teams, whatever that may be, there is there is none of that going on. So give us a little bit of a backstory on that first one. Why, why does that go on? I mean, what's happening about that? Somebody were to watch that and say, well, is this what's happening here? How would I be able to detect that? Well, you know, we see this a lot in organizations, Michael, where there's there's really not a lot of communication on the goals of the organization. And a certain group may know about that, maybe within the executive team might know about that. But in order for culture to thrive in an organization, that community, that that communication uh, needs to flow throughout the community, the organizational community. And if it's not being effectively put out there, maybe in town halls or through emails from, uh, you know, the the C-suite, if you will. And as as we we will drive this point home, culture is a top-down function. If it's not coming from the top, it's not coming, period. You can't develop uh, cultures within cultures and make them work. It has to be a top-down function. And so, we, you know, if it's not being put down or we're trying to keep these secrets, or we're trying to keep this information to ourselves, or perhaps we don't even have any information because it's, it's um, the, the whole imposter syndrome happening. That's where you see that that lack of internal communication, those barriers. Okay. So they're just not communicating effectively. It may be they don't know. Maybe they're inept at it. Maybe they're intentionally withholding it for whatever reason. Whatever reason, so but it's not communication. That's just not right? happening. The yeah. second one, again, give us a backstory on the second one now. The lack of management promoting collaboration and direction. Okay. This is one where you see the departmental silos start developing on their own. And that's that's the second one where I talked about um you've got you know, different departments that are, they know the mission, they know the vision, they've heard it once before, but there's really a direct, a lack of direction. And so they have developed their own worlds altogether. Now, in order for um, culture to, to thrive and survive and grow, there has to be those cross-functional teams. There has to be that cross-collaborative effort. There has to be communication uh, to these uh, these departments, the silos cannot exist if you want a functioning, growing, successful culture, and it has to be collaborative. If if the company has a vision, the company has a goal. It is the job of everybody in that organization to work towards those goals. Okay, excellent, very good. So there are seven more reasons. That, that you have. And again, we're going to tell folks how they can get the whole story here in a few minute, moments. Uh, but let's move on to what are the remedies? You have six different remedies. Is that yeah. correct? Correct. And so yeah. you're going to share with two of those remedies. So what's the first remedy? Well, the first one would be to that promote that cross-team collaboration. Okay. And it needs to be, it needs to be where you're signing um, projects or signing um teams different uh, within that are cross-functional people from different uh departments you're signing them something they need to work on together maybe a project that needs to be completed or problems that need to be solved but you you bring uh, the people from those different departments 
And I'm not talking just about department heads. I'm not talking about the leaders of those departments. I'm talking about bringing people from those departments who can want to be part of that team, have some great skills, great talents. And they're not always the managers, right? We've talked about this. Yeah, it's true. We've talked about this. That's that's the first way. And within that, there are tools you can use and things like that. But we're not going to get into those. That's that's down. You know, that's that comes from from somewhere else. Um. And here's the other thing. Align the vision and mission of your company with what the company culture needs to be. It has to be communicated. The CEO is a C-suite has to ha- have that communication open where you're, you're aligning the vision and mission. Now, I'm going to add one other thing because that's the how and the what. If your organization doesn't have a purpose, the why. If your organization doesn't have a purpose, why we're here? Why are we doing this? And and sending that out to the organization, then the how and the what, okay. But if you don't have the why, you're not going to get anybody on board. So vision, mission, purpose, clearly communicated throughout the organization. And that might be putting posters on walls. That might be, you know, painting it on a wall and message somewhere. That might be, you know, whatever that 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 is, but it has to be done. Yeah, getting that part of the the whole culture, inculcating it, making it so it's second nature. That's that's really the challenge here. There's a number of different ways that you're going to share with folks about how they can do that so that people I was talking to one group of people say, okay, so let me ask you, you got your values, right? Yeah, we, we've got our values. And does, does everybody know the values? Yeah, they you could ask anybody in the organization. They all know the values. So what's the problem? Well, I said, I don't know quite what the problem is. So let me ask you this question. Has there anybody at any time gotten a department together or the whole company together and say, what does this value mean to you? Yeah. How do you see us doing it? When have we actually employed it? When have you actually used this value to make a decision yes. or to start a project? When have you? So when you start drilling down to it, all I was getting is, oh, no, uh, no, no, we've never done that. Uh, uh, no, uh, no. It, See, until you do that kind of integration work, and there's lots of ways to do the integration work, it's not going to happen. Everybody's going to have a knee-jerk reaction to what we've heard and what we've seen, but it's really getting it into the hearts of the people. When you get into the hearts, then you know that people are really buying into it. They've owned it. They've claimed it. Now they're going to live by it. But until that happens, it's very hit and miss. And that's why you've got kinds of numbers in terms of how many people are actually engaged. We've talked about it before. About a third of the workforce is actually engaged. The other two thirds ain't so much. Thirty-three percent. Right? That's that's actual statistics. Yeah, that's not. We're not making. We like to make things up, but not all the time. Not this all. This is time. real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Very good. So we just got a minute or so here to wrap this up. Rich, if somebody is seriously interested and they want to know this knowledge that you've just yeah. presented, a piece of that, you know, yeah. part of that, if they'd really like to dig into that, tear into it, find out what it's all about and how start, they can start using it in their own workplace, their own work culture, yeah. how are they going to get the rest of the information? We have a newsletter, Michael, and we don't talk about it much. We have a newsletter. Right now, we have about 1,100 subscribers to our newsletter. And uh, if you want more information on, on these things we talk about, um, it just in a, in a quick read, you know, five-minute read or whatever it is, sign up for our newsletter, richbarronexecutivecoaching.com, and go on there 
And uh, there's a spot on there where you can actually sign up for our newsletter. The other thing is get a hold of us, Michael. ExecutiveLeadersActILEC.com. Go to our website. Yeah, Contact absolutely. Us. Yeah. In the meantime, what we want to do is we definitely want to give you folks some good ideas and some insights yeah. about the challenges you may be facing, the difficulties that you may have to develop uh, or be dealing with, and also how you can bring more of your own leadership quality and yeah. in, in your leadership development and raising that culture up. So, yeah, that's why we do these. And I'm going to recommend everybody go there and sign up. Again, give the website address. Yep. Yeah. Oh, executiveleadersactilec.com. No, to get the rich, rich, yeah. rich Baron executive coaching.com. Hey, you got rich Baron executive coaching.com. Go sign up for the newsletter. Yep. You're going to get great information, great stuff, things that will help you, practical ways to now make a difference in your organization and with the people that you're working with. That's it for the day. We've told you what we've got. This has all been about silos, silo kings, silo queens. Yep. And the detriment that they they really impose on the organization and kind of create a chokehold that holds not only the organization back but everybody back and it's everybody. kind of a yep. unhealthy it's kind of selfish and it's not helpful to anybody else so that's it for now till next time till next time till next time take care of each other we'll see you again soon okay all the best leaders lead with all of the issues facing leaders and organizations today, you need executive coaching more than ever. Go to our websites, richbaronexecutivecoaching.com or michaelbailey.com. You can also find us both on LinkedIn. Reach out to us and let's sit down and find out just how bright your future can be with executive coaching. We'd also like to thank all of our supporters in over 60 countries and 600 cities worldwide will help to make us one of the top executive coaching podcasts in the world. From Rich Barron and Michael Bailey, this is Mainline Executive Coaching ACT. Thank you and take care.